0: My kids accuse me all the time of liking um, boring history movies. I have a running joke with the kids when they come home, and it's just a Friday night, and there's nothing going on. It's like, okay, guys, time to watch a boring history movie. And uh, shockingly, they, um, they are not uh, fans of um, said documentaries and are history movies. But one of the, the movies I was watching some clips of recently was um, at uni. I remember the old movie Patton. I was watching Patton the other day because I was think as I read as I read today 's um, uh, text a scene from Patton and then an actual story from from his life kind of um kind't know just kind kind of resonated with me um, i don 't know how many and I wanted to make sure i did a little research to make sure that you know sometimes movies don't tell the whole story. I wanted to make sure that the that the, the what I saw in the movie was actually uh real life do any of y'all remember the name Uh, y'all might not know the name James Hugh O'Neill does that name mean anything to y'all okay Chaplain O'Neill was the chaplain if you remember the movie and it actually happened in real life and not just in the movies but in real life they were getting ready to fight the battle of the bulge and the weather was just awful was just just awful weather. They couldn't get uh, there. They couldn't fight. It just, the weather was making the battle impossible. So Patton called Chaplain O'Neill in and said, okay, I need you to write a prayer. He's like, "Uh, sir, I don't know that I can write this prayer. To which uh, uh, Patton graciously responded, I need it in an hour. (laughs) So, and so I, I did the actual research. And what it was is he actually wrote the prayer um, on uh, December 8th. And then the prayer was then distributed out to all the soldiers ar- around Christmas time with, with, with Christmas greetings from Patton. And then the prayer was on the backside of it. So all the third army was praying this prayer as they got ready to, to fight the Battle of the Bulge. But I, I wanted to read the prayer to you. The movie actually has the prayer in it, but I wanted to, to read. The prayer was, um, Almighty and most merciful Father, we humbly beseech thee, of thy great goodness, to restrain these immoderate rains. I might start praying that on Sundays when it rains, to restrain these immoderate rains with which we have have to contend. Grant us fair weather for battle. Graciously hearken to us as soldiers who call upon thee, arm of thy power that we may advance from victory to victory and crush the oppression and wickedness of our enemies and establish thy justice among men and nations. So he wrote this prayer. It was passed out to all the third army. They prayed it. And then the thing was, it stopped raining. And believe me, I've prayed many a Sunday for no rain and the heavens opened so maybe i'm praying the wrong prayer maybe the lord doesn't hear my prayers i don't know but like i have prayed okay lord uh, because all my jokes always there's only two people in the world who are never happy with the weather preachers and farmers because if it's raining we say oh and preacher wakes up when it's raining like oh it's raining nobody's going to come to church you know, wake up on a Sunday day, oh, it's pretty, nobody's going to come to church. No matter what the weather is, our answer is, well, nobody's going to come to church today. So preachers and farmers are never happy with the weather. So, But the thing with it was, the, the, the prayer happened, and, and then the, the, the point I want to make with all this is that Patton was so impressed with the fact that it stopped raining, he awarded the chaplain a bronze star the next day. That's the part of the story that I think is so funny. It stopped raining, so Patton awarded him a bronze star the next day after the battle. And I'm like, that's—I that, guess that's when you're impressed with somebody—is you, you know, you award them that, that that star, that moment in that thing. And I, that got me thinking about uh, sometimes, sometimes we see things in life that are so impressive, we have to stop and recognize and realize. What we just saw. I'm a sports fan, so we see it a lot in sports. Uh, I always think of the famous scene. Some of you may remember back in the 90s when Duke defeated, um, I think it was Kentucky. In the game where Christian Laettner hit that shot, where Grant Hill threw the ball all the way down the court, and Laettner caught it and dribbled and shot it. But the thing about the thing I'm thinking about is, isn't the shot? It isn't Grant Hill. So it's one of his teammates on the bench, hands on his head, going, "Oh my gosh!" Like you just see him. Like what? What did I just see? Like what? What did I just see? I think back to last year's Super Bowl. Bowl. I'm not a huge Patriots fan, but it was so interesting after the game to see so many Patriots go up to Brady and said, how did you, like they were stunned. They had seen something, seen a comeback that they just couldn't, they couldn't wrap their minds around what they had seen. Something had happened in their midst that they could not fathom. Something had happened in their midst that they could not believe. It's like their minds could not wrap itself around what they had just witnessed. That was the Israelites in this moment. Think back to all they had seen and witnessed and encountered in those years in Egypt. They had seen, starting out with Joseph, as we read this past, as Jennifer recounted, and as you read this past week in your readings, if you're doing our Bible reading plan. If you're not doing our Bible reading plan, I know I'm beating a dead horse. I know you're sick of hearing me talking about it, but I would encourage you, if, you've not, if you're not reading the Bible with us daily, to text in, to get the readings, to follow along on our website, to follow along in our newsletter. I mean, we are we want to give you every resource out there for you to read the Bible along with us. But if you're doing it through texting or you're doing it through our mobile app or you're doing it on the website, you'll also get our daily reading guides, which I hope would be a help as you read. But we see, last week we read about Joseph becoming great and saving the people. Well, hit fast forward this week, spoilers, we're getting into the Exodus. And you're going to see the Israelites went through so much. They went from being favored and all the best of the land and everything to being slaves, to being beaten, to being, having to make bricks without straw. We see all they went through. We see the abuse. We see the power. We see how Pharaoh used his power. We see all these type things. And then eventually, we get to Moses coming. This one, when we read Moses' story, we see all that Moses did, both wrong and right. We see Moses flee to the desert. Come back. Lead his people. And as we're going to see in this week the, the plagues. It's very interesting. You'll, you'll, you'll get some of this, these notes when we get to the plagues. But every one, of, every one of the ten plagues, these plagues were not random. When you see the plagues and you see what happened, you see that in these plagues, each one of the ten plagues was God's specific attack against one of the Egyptian gods. God's. The plagues in Egypt was God's way of showing his power, his glory, and his might. We have forgotten that God is a great God, y'all. We have become practical deists. The deist was a philosophy that believed that God was a a watchmaker God that wound the universe in motion, set it back, and let it go from there. We have forgotten that God interferes in the course of human history. We have forgotten the might and power of our God because we don't talk about it anymore. Twice. Twice. Twice in the last few weeks, I have visited church members in the hospital. Or we've had church folk going to the hospital in different settings. And twice in these times, it turns out that the nurse caring for our member was someone that was a member or affiliated with that person here in our church. Twice. Twice. Ah, it's just a coincidence. I wouldn't read anything into that. I wouldn't think anything about that. Or perhaps we can realize that the God of heaven and of history interferes in our life. God is not distant. God is not far. God is is not impotent. God is God. We have forgotten that God is God. And we have trained you and taught you as church folk to expect nothing in worship. To come, maybe hear a few songs, hear a good anthem, maybe hear a good sermon, and then go out unimpacted, other than maybe you feel good. No! You are going to encounter God this morning in worship. God desires to heal your brokenness. God desires to take your pain. God desires to meet you where you are and give you his grace. God desires to impact and change you. God is not distant. God is not far away. God is not some ethereal thought that does not affect your life. God is God. And he longs to embrace you and encounter you. The Israelites saw that. They saw God's power. They saw God's might. They saw God's deliverance. They saw who God was. And we forget that. We try to manage God. We try to bargain with God. Well, God, if I do this, will you do this? Or God, I've done this, so you should do this now. We try to negotiate with God. We try to, we try to reason with God. We try to, we try to. Do these things with God instead of realizing that he is the glorious God of eternity who intercedes within our life through his grace, who pulls us to himself, who sees the depth of our sin and desires to heal us from that sin. He sees the broken spot in your life right now and longs to apply his grace to it, giving you restoration and freedom. That's what God longs to do. That's what God wants to do. He doesn't just want you to believe in him on an intellectual level. He wants you to encounter his grace, which heals the brokenness of our lives. The Israelites saw God's power, saw God's might, and as they crossed over to the other side, as they made it across the Red Sea, As they saw Pharaoh's army defeated, as they saw God win the battle, they crossed over. And what was the first thing they did when they crossed over? They take out their phones and take a selfie or tweet about it. They might have. I guess they had Twitter back then. They didn't have, they hadn't, Twitter hadn't quite come along. I don't know how they made it without Twitter or Instagram. They didn't do any of that. What did they do? They worshipped. They worshipped. Scripture says that Moses led them in a song. So I think when we look at this text today, I think we see three things that these realizations did to the people. First is they, 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 they worshipped God out of a thankful heart. What was the last time you stopped in your life, in your day to day life, and just said, Thank you, God? Count your many blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. What was the last time you just stopped in your day and told God, Thank you? And that, that to be for anything great. Sometimes we can just thank him that we didn't get stuck in traffic on the way to work. That's a big one for me. I, I want to pray the Lord is a warrior prayer when I'm stuck in 55 traffic. Like, Lord, smite them, Get him. Open up the path so I can get to work without thinking bad things. You know, get them. When was the last time you just stopped and thank God? We need a rhythm to our life, y'all. We need a, a consistent rhythm. And that's why things like daily Bible reading, that's why things like weekly worship, that's why these things matter. Not to earn God's love, not to negotiate with God, but just to put ourselves in a rhythm of saying thank you. Put ourselves in a rhythm of reminding, and it's funny. The more we do these things, the more we want to do these things. Something weird's happened to me, y'all. Something, husbands, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get all of us in trouble now. So I'm gonna apologize to the husbands, wives. Men, put your fingers over your ears. I started doing the dishes at the house, unprompted, like just because. Something's wrong with me. I don't do that. I mean, that's not what I do. I eat. I don't make the. Di- I don't. I'll do it when I ask. But I don't think about doing these things. But I have started walking around the house, and when the dishes are in the, in the sink, I just start putting them up. I promise you, that was not planned. I did it one day just to be nice to my wife, and then I just started kind of doing it. And I'm not gonna say I do it every day. I'm not gonna lie to you until I do it all the time. I didn't do it this morning. But it's a healthy practice in my, wife, in, my, in my marriage. It's good. It's a healthy practice. Doesn't mean I love my wife less or more than before. It's just something I just kind of started doing. And I find myself doing it more often. You're not going to want to stop your life and say thank you to God. You're not going to want to establish regular patterns and practices of worship or prayer or scripture reading because it's going to go against your schedule. You're going to have to move things around, you're going to have to change things. It's not going to fit into your schedule. It's not. It never does. If it does, you'd already be doing it. <laughs> you know, if it does, we do it right now. But it doesn't. We've got a schedule we like to keep. Do it. Give yourself a rhythm of saying thank you to God. Give yourself a rhythm of worship to God. Give yourself these things and see if you don't find your heart more drawn to them. We see the people worship. But then we don't just see them worship individually, but the Scripture says this. The Scripture says that Moses and the Israelites sang their song to the Lord. They worshiped together. This wasn't just an individual person worshiping off to their own. But it was the people of God together. There's a reason why we said the Nassian Creed this morning. One Holy, Catholic, and Apostolic Church. The Nicene Creed was one of the first major church doctrines that the church established in the 300s. And when you go back and look at that thing, do you see things? It's always interesting to think, see the things that make it into the creed. What matters? So we see a lot about God and a lot about Jesus, and a lot about the Holy Spirit. But then we see a lot about the church. One, holy, Catholic, Apostolic. One, meaning all of us. Holy means set apart apostolic meaning led by the spirit catholic meaning universal made up of all people of all places but one of the essential things that the lord led us to believe was to say that we need the church i've been thinking a lot about that recently that in this time grace is given to us through worship In this time together, we encounter God. And I think that's the thing that I keep coming back to in worship. Is worship isn't just an experience. Worship isn't just singing and preaching. But worship. Worship. Seriously, y'all. Right now. Right now, Jesus Christ wants to mend your heart in this moment. And this moment... The pain that you're carrying, Jesus Christ wants to take it from you. The sin that you've been carrying for far too long, the Lord wants to take that from you. And that happens here in community. That happens in this place. That happens now. There's something about this that's holy. There's something about this that's other. There's something about this that we need, that our souls are made for, that we can't do without. We need this time together. So the people, after seeing this great thing from God, after seeing God's deliverance, they worshiped. They worshiped together. And they realized that the battle was not theirs to fight. The Lord is a warrior. Mighty is his name. Is there something in your life right now that you've been fighting for a long time? And you're tired of fighting it? Let me ask you this. Have you been fighting that battle with your own strength? We get faith so backwards, y'all. We expect to be saved by grace, and then we think the rest is up to us. God saves us through grace, through faith. And then we expect that we got to do the best from there on out. we got to do the best we can do from there on out. I've got to be good. I've got to be perfect. I've got to get it right. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. And so what happens is we try our very best to be good. There's that great quote by C.S. Lewis. I shared it with the men's club this morning. No man knows how very evil he is till he has tried very hard to be good. We get so frustrated because we're trying our best to be good, and we're doing a bad job at it. What I'm telling you now, friends... Is we need to learn the lesson from the Israelites. The battle is not ours, the battle is the Lord's. The Lord is a warrior, and mighty is his name. That thing in your life that you're so tired right now about, that thing that you're so worn out about, that thing that you've been fighting for so long, have you been trying to fight with your own strength? with your own might, with your own intellect, with your own stuff, and are you just worn out from fighting? The Lord is a warrior. Mighty is his name. Give it to the Lord. And here's the thing. I love what Paul says in Romans. he He says we're living sacrifice. You may lay it on the altar today and pick it up tomorrow. Okay, yeah, lay it back down. When you give the battle to the Lord, when you let him fight it for you, and the next day you realize you've picked it back up, lay it back down. You pick it up, you lay it back down. You pick it up, you lay it back down. So often our faith is a constant laying down of these things to God, giving them over and giving them over and giving them over and giving them over. But sometimes we're so tired in our faith, we're so worn out, We're so frustrated because we just expect to be able to do it on our own strength and our own might and our own goodness, and we can't. The Lord is a warrior. Mighty is his name. He will fight the battle for you if we give it. So we see the Israelites today see this mighty thing happen. We see the Lord deliver them. We see the Lord destroy the Egyptians. We see the Lord mighty and strong, and they stop, and they worship. They worship, they worship together, and they realize that the battle is the Lord's. Today, what about us? What about us? Will We build in rhythms of thanksgiving in our life. Will we give the battle to the Lord? Will we walk together? And will we realize that our God longs to meet us here? That he longs to take our burdens. That he longs to heal our hurts. That he is not some deistic entity far away, but he is as close as your next heartbeat. We've forgotten that God is here. We've forgotten that God is here. May we remember. May we remember that God has not left us, nor will He leave us. That He longs to heal our hearts. Today, tomorrow, Tuesday. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and yes, even next Sunday. May we worship. May we worship together. And may we give the battle to the Lord. Let us pray. Gracious God, thank you for your grace, your mercy, and your love. Father, help us to live in the power of your love always. We love you so very much. We ask it in Jesus' sweet and holy name. Amen.